at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town, The Journo Project. This podcast is all about recognising great Australian journos wherever they may be around the world. With the media in Australia under increasing attack and hard-won freedoms under threat, there's no better time to celebrate and highlight the work of the top journalists from down under. Isabella Higgins confidently says that as a proud Torres Strait Islander, she knows a black and white future is possible for this nation. She is now the Indigenous Affairs Correspondent for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, often travelling from her Sydney base to some of the most remote outback locations to bring to the nation the stories of the oldest continuing culture on earth. Isabella tells me in this episode of The Journo Project how she aims to elevate Indigenous voices to a more regular part of the national conversation. Isabella, thank you very much for joining us on Streets of Your Town, the Journo Project. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Nance. So here we are in the middle of ABC Ultimo. It sounds like we've got a bit of construction going on. They've just started up especially for us for a bit of atmosphere in the background of our podcast. Yes, right when you're on deadline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? So yes. you've got to try and find a little place yeah. that is kind of soundproof yeah. or avoid just that banging. So Isabella, tell us about your journey to becoming a journalist. Is this something that you'd always dreamt of? Uh, weirdly, not really. Like, yeah. I always feel like I kind of fell into it. Like mm. I liked English and history and drama at school and, you know, I like, had no idea what I wanted to do at the end of grade 12 and went to a university open day and thought, oh, this journalism thing sounds cool. Like I didn't really come from a family that was like, you know, even really followed the news that much, mm. but I guess there was we were all quite inquisitive at the same time and so it was like a natural extension in some ways that yeah you had that. yeah mm. totally and then I was pretty undecided actually at uni about whether it would all work out and then I went to this amazing exchange over in New York City and that's kind of oh, when okay. I thought oh this is really cool like oh, you fantastic what was that for um it was just like the university's exchange mm. program right. but because we were, it was based in Manhattan I followed the New York mayoral race when Bill de Blasio was elected and that was when I thought oh wow you get to be like the witness to history and how cool is this and then I came back and you're a bit hooked yeah I was and <laughs> then just went through the internship ringer for a few years and ended up landing a job at ABC and wasn't really that long ago I think it was six or seven years ago now oh, and here you are in Sydney so from Brisbane to Sydney or did you have something in between yeah moved around did mm. the regional stint which I just could not recommend really more. yeah a lot, of, a lot of people get very worried about going beyond what they're familiar with and I had the best I had never stepped foot in Rockhampton before I went to Rockhampton and I had I made the best friends met the most amazing people found the best stories and just learned skills that you can't in a city and I was absolutely dead against the idea, really, but I loved it. So from Manhattan to Rockhampton, you weren't a bit shocked? <laughs> what? I, I was shocked. I turned up and it was Sunday afternoon and it was raining and there was no one around and I just thought, what have I done? But I went into the office and the office is actually an old gold mine. So it was really cool and just interesting different people and every day was a learning curve. You know, I didn't have any agricultural background and here I was suddenly reporting on like chickpea production. Um, and it was all new and exciting and you, you really get to 
have a taste of a different part of Australia that you might not know about, see beautiful landscapes and meet people that you never would have encountered otherwise. And did it teach you a bit about that importance of making contacts, I imagine? You know, don't get a lot of press releases oh, in uh, Rockhampton. God, yeah. I mean, some days you would just think there is no news in this region. <laughs> and I've still got a bulletin. Yeah, and I've still got 15 minutes of local news and this other pressure to produce other local stories for our state bulletins. So you would. You, you just cold call people, have a bit of a yarn and hope something came out of it, turn the recorder on. But you always had to have your eyes and ears open, you know. You were out on a Saturday and you overheard a conversation or, you know, saw a flyer somewhere and you'd be following it up. And so it's like you never really turn off when you're a journalist. Weirdly, by the yeah. And I don't know, but you seem to get a bit of a thrill for finding mm. stories. Like I, I do actually try and not engage with news for at least some hours on the weekend. But you might hear something, like yeah. you say, and you might just even... Do you, do you keep little notes for yourself, or how do you keep track of those ideas before those those little falling, you know, stars disappear? Um, <laughs> look, I probably actually don't keep track of them very well. I And they sort of come back to me at weird moments, and hopefully they come back to me when I'm sitting, twiddling my thumbs, thinking, <laughs> oh, no, what have I got to file today? Um, is often when they do come back to me. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good thing to, even in these places, you don't know anyone, you've just got to throw yourself into it make contacts what is making contacts I suppose for you if we can break that down well I guess there's some things that you have to go to so there's press conferences mm. and that's when you start chatting to media advisors other journalists and I guess you start to know what are the big organizations in the region mm. and you can just call them up you know mm. there's you know lobby groups but also unions and you kind of meet people around the traps in your work and you always it's so good whoever you meet to try and get their number and then when it's quiet, give them a call and even just, you know, some of those smaller organisations, they don't ever, they don't even really know how to get media coverage and if you give them a call and say what's going on, sometimes they're doing really amazing stuff. Um, when I moved to Rocky because I come from an Indigenous background and was like, oh wow, there's some great Indigenous organisations here doing work and it just was calling up saying, hey, can I drop in and see what's going on and you might not get a story straight away but they know your face and it's it's kind of like this old school part of journalism that hasn't changed even in the digital age but you, I have met heaps of people through social media like I see people who are tweeting or on Facebook or Instagram and I'll message them and say can I give you a call at some stage about what's going on and that's another really great way this day and age to make contacts. So it's a bit of a mix. The the face-to-face hasn't died, maybe not so much in the pub as it used to be, um, but <laughs> getting on the phone is also good. Yeah. And uh, the Twitter and, and digital media can't be... Twitter is not dead. This no, is... Twitter's not dead, but I, I find a lot of people... I get, actually get a lot of stories from Instagram. You know, people sort of tweet here and there or you just see an Instagram story and you think, wow, that's really interesting and how easy is it to message someone on Instagram? And, you know, most of us are checking it all the time. You can get really quick responses. Facebook is very much the same. So it's, it's a really powerful tool to meet people and to see what else is going on in your networks. So now as Indigenous Affairs Correspondent, is that... A rewarding journey for you looking back on on where you've uh, worked 
Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's just such a privilege in this job. I get to travel all around the country and I get to meet mob from all over the place, you know, like I'm from Queensland and that's where all my family's from, we're from the Torres Strait, but I get to go to Central Australia and, you know, meet the desert people mm. and just, you know, get to learn about their culture and their stories and you really get an understanding for how diverse the Indigenous population is going all over the place, yet there are these really common problems and it's yeah it's been the most rewarding job really to tell those stories and then bring them back to the ABC and you know tell the stories to our millions of listeners and watchers and readers. Have there been any challenges do you find even in your role as sort of the national correspondent to get these stories heard that are perhaps a bit out of the normal news cycle in some people's lives? Yeah, it, it can be really hard because I think, you know, our media is mostly made up of white journalists and sometimes it is really hard for a broader audience to understand why this issue is important or without the context or the understanding it's easy to kind of frame it in another way so I always see it as my job you've got to give so much context to everyone about why is this important why should you know everyone be listening and paying attention to this um, and I think if you do it in the right way and you bring people with you and and you make people realise these are just stories of these are Australian stories. They're really important. People can be really receptive and really touched, and can really see the amazing spirit and strength of all these communities. And so, is part of it being confident with your chiefs of staff, executive producers, these people with 20, 30 years experience, having the confidence in your idea? Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of think that is something that comes with time um you know in the early stages of your career if someone says it's not a good story it's pretty easy to think okay it's not good enough and just leave it right there but the longer you work in the game you know the easier it is to spot a story you kind of know what people like to see and read and hear and now it's at a point where I don't get too many of my stories knocked back thankfully and it's pretty great that the ABC has invested in this role and so Indigenous stories are seen as important um, and I think the most important thing that we do now is to bring a diversity of voices to the stories that we do because I think in Indigenous affairs but you know broadly the news it's often the loudest voices that get heard the most mm -hmm. and sometimes it is the people who don't have the microphone who really do need to have their stories told or whose perspective is so often missed in the really important arguments so that's been a big um, pursuit for me this year is making sure that I have a really great diversity it's not the same kind of mm. leaders um, diversity even within the indigenous yeah, community because yeah, as yeah. I mentioned it's such a diverse mm. group of people mm. and I think that's kind of the next frontier that we're broaching like I think we're doing really well at trying to at getting indigenous stories in the mainstream these days and it's about broadening who we talk to. Yeah and what about and also beyond that with the Media Diversity Australia group that sounds like it's quite exciting development I think to really take you know the front foot approach of trying to get a more diverse newsroom to get that more diverse coverage as well. Uh, totally and I think the thing about journalism is it's always kind of told through the lens of a journalist and so the types of journalists who are telling stories really influences the way they turn out or what goes into bulletins or what goes onto web pages and 
having diverse people, it's so important because Australia is a diverse country and we should be representing Australia and the issues that Australians care about. And it's really easy not to when those voices aren't in a newsroom. So it's just so vitally important for us to stay relevant. And, you know, we're looking at now how do we make people engage with news? Well, you need to make sure all Australians feel represented and you need to make sure that they are stories that impact their lives. You know, it's really easy to live in a bubble in this job and the more time you spend out in communities or with your family or with your friends, the more you don't lose touch of that. So that's why I think it's so important not to live just in the realm of journalists. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so you're conscious of that even with your, your friendship networks or, you know, where you hang out? To- oh, totally. Really? And yeah, I think so. And I just think my family, like... They don't really, they don't really watch the news. Still, like they've kind of followed what I do, and they're very passionate about the issues they care about. But I mean, they couldn't care less. And I think it's very refreshing to go back and, you know, how huge has the issue of Adani been all over the media? And I was chatting to my uncle, and he was like, "Yeah, we were just at a barbecue," and he said, "There's some big mine." <laughs> Um, I think it might be built soon. Anyway, I've heard there's some, there should be some good jobs out of it. And I was like, right. So that's how much, like, this all doesn't cut through for some people. Like, this is... So it's... I think it's so important to remember that not everyone has the context or background that you do. And, you know, I think we can write stories that... You know, if you know everything about an issue, you can still learn something. And if you know nothing about it, you still learn something from it as well. And I think in Indigenous affairs, with the, it is often trying to give context to people who aren't familiar with the issues, but still making sure people who know this in and out are still learning something. Is that, how hard is that to condense these quite complex stories with such a lot of history into a, a TV package or a, uh, a podcast or a radio look, story? I mean, it feels impossible sometimes <laughs> be honest and you know it's like I said you're telling it through your lens so you're always deciding what is the important context or the important background so I think again knowing you know being in touch with people outside of the media world is important because you can think okay like my mate Courtney how much does she know about this how and then I'm like all right well my mum lives and breathes this stuff so how much would she know and what would she want to learn and then think oh you know my boyfriend's uncle Bob like what does he know and like always having those kind of discussions in your own head about thinking what everyone does know and what what is in they might want to take out of this that's kind of how I judge it and I mean it's always it's always a battle whatever news piece you're doing trying to decide what's important and what's not. Is it hard sometimes I've noticed with Indigenous affairs it seems to be a lot of negative coverage has that been a challenge for you even to to get these incredibly you know positive programs and stories from the communities hurt uh yes it it has and i think also the challenge is sometimes we are perpetuating this idea of low expectations by doing positive some of the positive stories we do you know like it we only do it because it's an Indigenous community, like saying, how great is this, you know? Year 12 students are learning how to play the drums, you know? Just stuff that it, it wouldn't be important to any other sort of community. So while I think it's really important that we tell positive stories, I think we also need to be really careful about the lens we're projecting onto why this is a positive thing. Because there are so many amazing, you know, stories of strength and resilience out there, and there's this amazing, vibrant culture and 
you know, just in some small pockets of Australia, there's these amazing leaders and musicians that are coming out of Indigenous communities and they absolutely pack the hugest cultural punch. So there's so many amazing stories out there. And I really do think audiences are learning that and are more interested in learning about our history and that element and they we're in this age where people want to know more and they want to have some ownership about what you know the foundation of our country was so I think it's important to dwell on how far we've come and the important milestones we're still reaching. Have you seen some positive changes even in the short time you've been a journalist or negative changes dare I say as well? What have you noticed? I actually, even in the 18 months I've been in this job, I have really noticed positive changes about the way people are receiving Indigenous stories and I like to think it's because we've got more Indigenous journalists telling them and perhaps they pursue angles or understand the background and contextualise it in a way it hasn't been in the past and I think... When I came to the ABC, there was sometimes this perception Indigenous stories don't rate well, and I think any story doesn't rate well if you don't tell it well, and if you've got a boring angle, who cares? You know, it's like that example I just gave before about Year 12 students learning to drum. Like, who cares? (laughs) But if you are telling a story, a strong story, in a compelling way, then of course anyone's going to be interested, you know? Like, I, I went and did this amazing story out in Santa Teresa in Central Australia, and there was we really tried to craft this story so it would have broad appeal because ultimately it was a story you know housing such a big issue in Australia and this was a story about housing and we didn't want it to be this you know this is just something that happens out there and it doesn't matter it's an indigenous issue it was like look at how our country approaches this housing problem and it just went gangbusters online so I think it shows when you really think about it you don't always just take like a really easy angle or approach you can draw in a new audience all those uh, angles you were speaking to of the different technologies how do you decide what you're going to use like what's appropriate for a radio story or an online piece is that difficult yeah it is but also (laughs) amazing sometimes too because especially for tv and you know radio sometimes you're so confined by the amount of time you have like and everything has to fit a formula and sometimes online's amazing because you can put everything else that you couldn't put in and I really do feel like we're crafting three different stories when I roll it out for online TV and radio and sometimes it's really tiresome. But So they take different angles, all those different... They actually really do, I think. Um, really, Some of them are a bit straighter kind of news angles and then I often find with online we're doing more featurey kind of you know, putting the human at the centre of the story um, to try and reach audiences online, you know, so anyone, so wherever that story pops up in a social media feed, people can relate to it. Mm. And then kind of for some of our more traditional programs, we still go for that really strong, hard news hook and we frame it really differently. Mm. Um, So it's exciting and fun and, yeah, sometimes very tiring when you think, (laughs) oh, my goodness, I've written this story four times over. (laughs) I'm finished. Yeah, I'm not. I've got that to do. Um, And what about, have you done any podcasts as well? Yeah, I haven't mm. really entered the podcasting mm. realm. Um, I've done. I actually, I've done a bit of you know radio current affairs. I actually mm. think you helped me do my very oh, first radio current thank affairs. Thank you for remembering yeah. that as well. It was a great day. No, yes. no, no, not forgotten. You took all. off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
And radio is such an amazing medium, you know, for, for telling stories and you can really capture a lot of life and you're not bound so much often by logistics and other things in a way that you are for TV and then you get this amazing yeah, kind of presence that you can't sometimes in online. So... And I don't know, podcasts, I love podcasts. So I, well, I haven't done one myself. I just think there's such an amazing future for that medium. So radio's not dead, you don't think, from a young person's perspective? Because some people have their doubts, I think. Uh, I don't think radio's dead. I think, you know, audio stories, it's such a powerful medium. And we've seen how much podcasts have taken off. And in saying that, I think the only time my brothers know when I do a story is when they hear me on Triple J. So, I don't think radio's dead, and like I said... They uh, all complement each other, those audio formats, even though one's digital, I suppose, and yeah. one's out to the masses, so yeah. work together, I suppose. Yeah, I think so, and like you have programs with ABC, like Triple J Hack, who, it's, it's yep. a radio program, it is a very traditional format but then they kind of tweak it a little bit and they mm. put it into a podcast form and it gets quite a lot of hits mm. each day so they can live together and they can live totally apart so what would be uh, your what would you tell young people thinking about whether they want to go into this journalism game what, what would be your advice I would say it's not easy but it will be fun and rewarding and you will meet some amazing people and you'll go to some amazing places that you never would have had the opportunity to and that idea of being a witness to history is it's just it's really fulfilling and telling other people's stories and feeling like they've you know trusted you to do that it's a really amazing feeling but at the same time, it's a really tough industry. It's cutthroat. It's changing constantly. Um, you know, it's been so affected by technology disruption. I'm sure it will be moving into the future. So it's no easy ride by any means. But uh, a fun one. Yeah, but it's fun. Like, you know, strap yourselves in and get ready to see where it takes you. Have there been some challenges that have really floored you? Have you at times had to really take stock? Yeah, that yeah, there's been I think in the first few years I really questioned like do I have this cuz you go into it and you see some really kind of like you know full on people and I don't think I'm so I don't like to live in the intensity zone but then you've got these crazy daily deadlines sometimes or hourly deadlines and it really you just live in this intense stress bubble for a few hours and that can really take a toll and I think it has taken me pretty much until now to think okay your way of operating is okay and maybe it's good actually in some ways and you've managed to achieve success you don't need to be like everyone else I think that's really encouraging for people to hear as well so you don't have to be the bang down the door hard-nosed political journal really I really think so and I think my grandma always had this saying that was you win more flies with honey than vinegar <laughs> and I think in journalism you've got to know when to be hard and tough but you've also got to be capable of being soft and friendly and you've got to know which approach to take at different times so you don't know I don't think you need to be you know chasing ambulances and banging on the ambulance door to make it in this industry and it's a huge industry and there's lots of different avenues um, you know my 
partners in the industry as well and him and I are so different and I think the type of journalism we've gone into is really different and it's reflective of who we are so I think you can really forge your own niche in this mm. huge amazing industry. And that makes for a good newsroom with a broad selection of stories when you've got people with those different approaches it's not a, a handicap. No absolutely and there's some people who really love the daily news environment and they live for the deadlines mm. you know and I see it as a part of my job and I have to live with the deadlines but it's it's not not what drives me. What drives me is meeting amazing people and being privileged enough to tell stories to a bigger audience. And you know, um, I got to do Bob Hawke's obituary, and I mean, what an honour is that? He's this amazing man who's got a huge place in Australian history, mm. and I have four minutes to reflect on his whole life. I mean, that's an amazing privilege, I think. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what drives me. Mm. So the storytelling, the really? The storytelling, Comes yeah. back to that again. Yeah, it is. Mm. And I guess... Um, being so it's not glamorous being a journalist, Isabella? No, it's not. <laughs> We're not in it for the glamour? No, and I there are very few moments of glamour. <laughs> so if that's why you're getting into it, I would say reconsider it because you've got some long road trips where there aren't many toilets, you know. You've and not good coffee. No, not good coffee. <laughs> some horrible early wake-ups, you know, some mm. really dodgy destinations. Um, crimes often don't happen on Sydney Harbour, you know is all I'll say you know they happen in some pretty dodgy back streets sometimes and where there's no shade there's no toilet no food and you just got to live with it. I wonder if just to wrap up if, if you could possibly give some advice perhaps to students or to people um, anyone really wanting to do an Indigenous story perhaps who doesn't have an Indigenous background what advice would you give them so that they can feel they're being respectful and not doing this out of place? I think my biggest piece of advice is always make sure you have Indigenous voices at the centre of the story. I think in this day and age the most offensive thing you can do is have someone white-splain an Indigenous issue and I'm not saying that you can't have white people in a story because you know this is Australia, black and white people work together. Um, and I think it's really important to be sensitive about the Indigenous people you use as well. You know, are they the representatives from this community? So if you know you've got, you know, the respected elders speaking on an issue, then you can be pretty sure that these are the people who are trusted in the community to speak out and you can be pretty confident that they represent the views of their community. And that takes a bit of work to do, I imagine, behind the scenes to really confirm all that bit of double-checking. Yeah, it is. Um, and there's so many, so many different nation groups in Australia, which I think people don't really understand. Um, so I think if you are going to do an Indigenous story, like know who the nation group is that you're working with mm -hmm. and try and figure out who are the cultural leaders and make sure their voice is really well heard. And then I think you can be pretty confident that you'll be doing a story of cultural integrity. And what about any language tips as well? I mean, I think people do have a fear of being patronising. I think generally most people want to make sure they're doing a good job. Are there any tips you have for that? Uh, I mean, language is so hard. I mean, like, I am an Indigenous person and I, you know, wherever I go, sometimes... 
I'm just like, I cannot get my tongue around this. Like, what, how is that a silent P? Is that a silent L? <laughs> oh, it's silent L and P. So I think all you can do is just try and hear someone from there say it and just say it over and over until you get it right. I don't think there's a trick to do it and you don't get it right all the time, but I think it's important to try your hardest too. Reminds me, one of the first things I learned as a radio journalist was just always starting the interview with, can you give me your name and title and I'll test the the levels. It's not as much about testing the levels as getting how they say something and throwing in there, and can you tell me how you say your nation name as well? And not being afraid to ask those questions. It's not rude. Totally. I was covering a festival Gama Festival, it's a very big festival mm. and so the nation group up there, they are the Jungle people and it took me so long to just be able to say Jungle. Well, I think, I don't think I've heard it actually said that beautiful way before yeah, as well. Yeah. I'm going to have to pronounce it. I've heard it lots of different ways because it's got the L in it. Yeah, it? so it's spelled Y-O-L-N-G-U so mm. you kind of see it and you don't think Yongu there but yeah, it's not. and you hear the people say it and they really say Jungle. It's, it's kind of silent and quick and I think I just heard it enough times and I actually have this trick where if you say a word after the important word that you're trying to figure out it kind of helps. So oh, okay. I, I figured it out by saying which means the language of the Jungle. But for some reason, having a word to say mother afterwards, you worry less about the first word and it just kind of came out. So that's a little trick. I always try and say language of. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but it has helped me. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah. And uh, it reminds me again of when I was in the Flinders Ranges with my first job with the ABC uh, at Port Augusta and the Pitanjara people, just if you looked at the name, yeah. you'd never say it. In jar. It's got about 15 syllables in it. Um, but when you hear it enough, yeah. and it's it's another reason to get out of the office, isn't it? And to talk Absolutely. to people who are living in this area and really find out what's going on, not just what's a news story, but what's happening Friday night. And Totally. I've got the um, Indigenous Nations map on my desk. So oh, when I call people, I'm like, so what's, <laughs> what's your mob? And I'll have a look. And then sometimes, you know, this <laughs> I can't place it on the map from the way they've said it, you know? I'm like, oh. Oh my goodness, that doesn't... Oh, okay, Bakunji. Yep, okay. Um, but yeah, that's where you got to get out of the office and meet people and, you know, hear real people talk. Mm-hmm. Don't just do everything through emails and statements. It's That's why it's really important to have real voices. Yeah, meet, Meeting real people, I think that's yeah. a beautiful way to end it. Thank you so much for joining us on Streets of Your Town, the Journal Project, Isabella. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Nance. That was Isabella Higgins, the Indigenous Affairs Correspondent for ABC News' Specialist Reporting Team, speaking to me for the Journo Project at the ABC Studios at Ultimo in Sydney. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time.